I've ha- I have changed my mindset uh, away from being sort of like the victim and having a persecutor persecuting me and I'm looking for a rescuer to help me. Now, the rescuer could be in the form of uh, attachment to somebody else. It could be drugs. It could be something else. And, you know, I'm a victim because I went to Milton Hershey School and nobody loves me. And, and this whole, um, mm-hmm. it's called the dreaded drama triangle where you're stuck yep. underwater. As you start becoming more mature and uh, for me, closer to Christ, I learned about being the creator, being a coach mm-hmm. and, cha- and, uh, and, and having challenges instead of being persecuted I look at that as a challenge. Instead of looking for a rescuer, I'm looking for somebody to coach me. And mm. because God made yeah. me in his image, he created me yep. to create. I look at myself as a creator and not a victim. Welcome to the Empowered Manhood Podcast, where men rediscover courageous masculinity. Pull up a chair as we gain strength from the stories of God working in the lives of ordinary men today. These men have discovered that in a world of superficiality and isolation, we need authentic brotherhood to gain strength for the battles we face every day. Brought to you by the ministry of CLC, which challenges men to an uncommon pursuit of Christ, welcome to Empowered Manhood. Hey guys, welcome back. This is your host, Mike Hatch, and I'll be joined shortly by my co-host, best-selling author, Chris Bollinger. Today, we are interviewing Jason Wolf, a good buddy of mine from my church, but also someone who has been very influential in our region and in the tech industry. Jason is a very successful serial entrepreneur who has created and grown numerous companies, including giftcards.com, perfectgift.com, giftcardgranny, giftja, direct response technologies, and mycoupons.com. After growing up in the Milton Hershey School, an orphanage founded by Milton Hershey, Jason found himself living out of his car. During that traumatic time, Jason taught himself how to code by using books at the local library. This led to building the first coupon website and launching his first internet business. That business, MyCoupons.com, sold for roughly $23 million in 2000, shortly before the dot-com bubble burst. You guys are going to love hearing the rest of Jason's fence post story. But before we jump into that, I just want to remind you that I just released my first book ever entitled Manhood, Empowered by the Light of the Gospel. It is a culmination of 20 years of discipleship experience, discipling men. But also, it also comes from my own story. In the book, I reveal the three stages of what I call empowered manhood. My book is unique in that it has an accompanying digital course that goes along with it where I will get to walk you through chapter by chapter and then offer suggestions for how to apply the content. And then also I offer resources that might help you take next steps immediately. I really wanted to make this book as practical as possible. You can go on to amazon.com right now to pre-order your copy of Manhood Empowered by the Light of the Gospel. Now, please remember, we are a listener-supported podcast, so if you would like to join us and partner with us financially here at CLC and Discipling Men all over the world, please go to our website at clchq.org. You can click on the blue Donate button in the top right-hand side of the homepage. It'll pop up a new window with a box where you can designate the type of gift, how much you'd like to give. 
and then you designate it to the national fund. Then in the comments, just type in there empowered manhood. That way we know that you found us through the podcast. All right, guys, here is our interview now with Jason Wolf. Jason Wolf, welcome, man, to the Empowered Manhood Podcast. It's good to have you, buddy. All right, good to be here, Mike. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. So you and I, we go back. We've been, you know, we go to church together where I was a pastor there for a while. And uh, and so I've had the opportunity to uh, to watch you so, somewhat from afar, but uh, but also to really admire um, the way you've lived your life, the way you've... Um, if I could say be have been because we're the empowered manhood podcast. So the way you've been empowered um, by the gospel and by God to uh, to do the mission driven things that you have you've done in your business and life. And uh, and so the purpose of this interview really is uh, my hope is that the guys who are listening to this will be encouraged about God's faithfulness and will uh, be moved to, to be empowered by the gospel and, uh, and be used by God to accomplish great things um, that maybe they didn't think they had the potential to do before. And, uh, and so with that, let's start, first of all, I'd love to hear your fence post story as we do in this interview. And just for the listeners who are listening for the first time, if you think about a fence along a property, you've got the horizontal pieces, but those vertical pieces are what really hold everything up, and they're the more significant moments in your life or people in your life that make you who you are today. And so, yeah, Jason, help us get to know you a little bit better. Uh, if you would, share a little bit of your fence post story. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Chris. Uh, good to meet you, too. Um, <clears throat> so my journey has been a unique, different journey, I think, Um Having grown up in uh, Milton Hershey School, Milton Hershey is the founder of the Hershey Chocolate Company. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> when Milton Hershey, um, after he built his fortune, he left his fortune to a school. It was an orphanage and for boys. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so when I was about 11 years old, I ended up going there. My mother couldn't take care of us and uh, my father was gone. So I was um, enrolled into a school. I lived in Connecticut <clears throat> and uh, my mother and my grandparents brought me down to uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, dropped me off. I can remember the day, September 20th, 1980. It was a cool, crisp fall day, oh probably gosh. football in the air. And um, <clears throat> for me, it was tears in the air. In the air. Um, Sorry, how old were you scary. again? I was 11. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. Okay. Yeah. So, um, getting dropped off at that school and then living there, um, that was a huge, um, fence post in my life. Uh, prior to that, we were on welfare. It was, <clears throat> you know, not having, uh, I didn't even know what pajamas were actually until I got to Milton Hershey school. Um, wow. I didn't have much. Uh, so going to Milton Hershey school was a major fence post for me. Um, going to that school, uh, mm. being provided with everything we needed, I needed and then getting, getting educated and getting discipline and having some mm. uh, mentors in the school that allowed me to become a man <clears throat> prior to mm. that. I didn't have really a father in my life and mm. it's important for young boys to have uh, male figures. So, um, yeah. you know, my coach, coach Geyer was my football coach. I, I still, to this day, don't tell anybody, but I use his last name as my passcode. Sometimes that's how important. <laughs> wow. <he was. laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> 
So yeah, there was a few, there were a few men in Milton Hershey school and going to that school that were uh, very important to me. Uh, I ended up <clears throat> following the Lord because of my mother. Um, mm. Prior to that, she was always very uh, spiritual, but she was a, my mother had, um, was bipolar. So, mm. she, you know, where I say to people, you have to be like pie. P-I-E-S, physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. You have to be equal quadrants. Some people don't have equal quadrants. My mother's mm, spiritual yeah. side was 90% of the pie and <clears throat> to the point where it was overboard. Um, but luckily for me, she instilled something early. And so I carried that with me through Milton Hershey School. Um, I graduated from there. And um, you know, I guess my next fence post would be well, real quick, real quick, before you do yeah. that, I just I want to back sure. up for just a second because I'm curious why you think, or maybe why your parents told you they decided to to bring you there. Do, do you what was what was the reason? So at the time, I was living with uncle, an uncle and an aunt, and some cousins. Um, prior to that, I had lived in maybe five or six homes, and you know, welfare and getting kicked mm-hmm. out, evicted from one home to another home. You know, okay. Um, so there wasn't like, hey, sit, let's sit little Bobby down and tell him about going to the school. It's a, no, no, no. It's when you go to Milton Hershey School, I mean, you're, I mean, it was an orphanage. It was mostly for kids that are dis- disadvantaged. So I was right. living with an aunt and uncle and uh, we found out about the school through a a, um, a uh, nun at the church, wow. a Catholic okay. church. She told my okay. grandparents about it and the grandparents somehow convinced my mother that it was a good idea. And, uh, God was involved hmm. in that because um, as a mother having kids, I can't imagine giving their kids up. And she did. She gave, right. gave me up to that school. Yep. Yeah. Are you the oldest that, of, the, uh, of her kids or where, where do you? I was, I'm the middle. Yeah, You're I'm the middle. the middle one. <clears throat> but they decided to test it out on me, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so I went down there for a year and a half before my siblings came down. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. I'm just, so basically it was a, they just felt like this could be the better thing for you. Well, I was stand, I was standing in my uncle's house and my aunt and uncle were saying to me, hey, listen, <clears throat> we're moving to California. You can come mm. with us or you can go to this oh, school, this Milton Hershey school. I see. And they left it up to me to decide, um, stay with my aunt and uncle and live with them or go away to this school. And, and I made a decision to go to Milton Hershey school. When I first got to Milton Hershey school, I learned a poem. It's Robert Frost poem. It's up here on my wall here. The road not yeah. taken. Right. Oh yeah. Two roads of verge in the yellow woods. Sorry, I could not travel both. I won't read the whole thing to you, but it's on my yeah. wall. I learned that poem within the first couple of weeks of being at Milton Hershey School, and it just stayed with me because there was a fork in the road in the in yep. the forest, yeah. and I chose to go down the one that most people would not choose. They would stay with their aunt and uncle and their cousins. I ended up going away at school. Yeah. Man, that is heavy for an 11-year-old kid yeah. to be put in a place like that to make that decision. So, yeah, you grow up quick. You grow up fast. Right. Um, made that decision. I went to that school. Um, and eventually, I uh, did well. I played sports. I was uh, I don't think I ever came off the football field. I was played offense, defense, special teams. I wrestled for many years. Um, and I also played baseball. So, I was a sports person. I was in all the advanced classes, um, you know, so I was heading to college. That's wow. what I was going to do. I graduated from that school, a suitcase of clothes and a hundred bucks. And I sat on a curb and didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, what am I doing now? Cause, 
as you're sheltered in an environment like that with everything provided to you, <clears throat> when mm. you get out of an environment like that, I mean, what do you do as an 18 year old? Right. 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 So, uh, I couldn't cash the check because, um, I didn't have a bank account. So then I learned about check cashers. (laughs) Uh, yes. Yes. And, uh, eventually I was fortunate. I got involved in some bad stuff, but I eventually got my act together, got through college. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I got through college and then I was a whitewater raft guide and, uh, and I was living down in, um, yeah, down in, uh, Actually, I would guide in West Virginia on the Cheat River and also on the uh, Yakagani. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somehow I, ma- I made my way out this way from Hershey and uh, Bloomsburg, where I went to college. And I lived down in sort of like Western Maryland, West Virginia area as this okay. outdoorsy guy. <clears throat> and I got into an accident. <laughs> Unfortunately, I ended up uh, having two spinal surgeries, some face surgery. I couldn't drive. And I couldn't do anything. And that's when I taught myself how to write software. And that was in 1995. And that's when I created the first coupon site. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get into that here too. Um, that's so funny. I was just on a rafting trip down in uh, West Virginia at the New River Gorge and uh, oh, yeah. met a couple of guides down there who had moved down there, living down there. And it's like, oh, look, this is now I'm realizing that was Jason <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. That's, that's that awesome. It. That was awesome. It's a great, it was a great, I, I suggest any young people listening to this, <clears throat> men or women, you know, in those early years, uh, take advantage of that ability to go be a guide somewhere because you get into yeah. your thirties and forties. So you don't have those chances anymore. Wow. Yeah, yeah definitely. Okay. So then you started coding uh, as you're trying to yeah. recover from, from this injury. And, uh, and so, and and then what what gave you the idea of of uh, going that that gift card route? Well, eventually I got a, I did the coupon thing. I raised venture capital. Eventually, I raised half a million. Uh, I ended up selling that company to a public company. Okay. Um, and I'm sorry, am <clears> I? I may not. Them. I may not be telling that. I might not be using. You said the coupon. Is it? There's a difference between yeah. maybe what you're doing with the coupon yeah, yeah. So company and a, gift cards. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we. I started the first coupon site. I built it. Raised venture capital, I sold that to a public company, and then I started another company after the okay. coupon company. Yeah. Okay. And the next company I started was a tracking company. It was uh, called uh, Direct Response Technologies, and we used to track, do affiliate tracking. <clears throat> so we were the ones that kind of used pixel-based um, and cookie-based tracking, tracking people around the internet, and um, I sold that oh, yeah. um, to a public company. We're tracking in somewhere around 13 billion transactions a month, so <clears throat> wow. following Mike Hatch around the internet, watching what he's doing, what he's clicking on, and then reporting it back to people that use our technology. Now, this is late 90s, early 2000s, is that right? Yeah. So the internet's Ooh. just kind of getting off the ground commercially at that point, right? I mean, you know, there's no, there's no smartphones, so it's people on laptops i guess primarily that are starting to use desktops. it right desktops yeah so desktops yeah right, yeah, right. Yeah. so so the reason why i created it was because um <clears throat> prior to that if you left one website and went to another website they would have to have what's called a session they would put a session within the url up in the url on the browser mm-hmm. track right. you to the, to the completion but what we did was we took technology that was invented by netscape um by one of the guys at netscape which was a cookie 
Right. Uh, and, and we put an invisible, we put in a one by one pixel on the thank you page of the advertiser. And once we placed that cookie on your machine, we didn't have to do sessions. We could follow you anywhere. And then when we saw that one by one pixel and it was fired, we we're able to track what you did. So very complex, but, <clears throat> and, wow. and we, we created that in 1997, but that technology, that core technology became the foundation of direct response technologies, which we ended up selling that to a public company for $23 million. It was, uh, we were powering people like Microsoft, um, some other large companies. And where are you wow. at this point? Are you in the Pittsburgh area? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I never knew. I was in I was in Northeast yeah. Ohio, doing Wi-Fi stuff. I didn't I didn't know that some of this technology was being developed just a stone's throw away. Well, what we try to do here in Pittsburgh sometimes, and I was the chairman of the Technology Council. Um, I just resigned recently. I was there. I was on the board for nine years, but I was chairman for four. Um, we sometimes in Pittsburgh don't focus on the success success stories we have right here in our backyard. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, what we do is we look at Silicon Valley because we think that's where all the success stories are. And that's truly not the case. It's right. just because we don't think that things can start here, but that's not true. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So it sounds like Jason, well, and we're, real quick, let's go ahead and wrap things up too, because now you've, you, you sold those companies. What was, was then after that, is that when Giftja came into being? No. So then I built, uh, after I sold direct response, which was that tracking company, I built uh, giftcards.com. Giftcards.com became okay. the largest gift card business online. Yeah? Uh, yeah. I sold that to a public company in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's when I created a, a concept uh, called Giftio, which is a card-to-card gifting technology. And the reason why I created it wasn't because I needed to build and sell another company because I want more money. It was because when I was in the gift card space, if you guys all know gift cards, right? Um, yep. You could lose your gift card. Mm-hmm. People oh, yeah. have stolen credit cards and then they buy gift cards and they dump them off. It's like there's all this criminal activity goes on within gift cards because it's a non-traceable form of currency. And because of that, uh, this is where criminals operate. <clears throat> I knew I knew about it because obviously I, I own giftcards.com. So I tried to think of a way to solve the problem, uh, redemptive mm-hmm. in nature, something broken. Yeah. I'm trying to come uh, up with something to fix it. God put upon my heart to mm-hmm. um, to use uh, the current Visa or MasterCard that's in your pocket as the mechanism for the gift card. So instead of sending an anonymous form of currency that is associated with an account that has no identity, I will use my catch's Visa card, which has an identity, which is a real person, and I will deliver that gift to that Visa card. And when my catch swipes his card at that merchant, we see the transaction and we credit his card with the gift amount. And in that whole scenario... First of all, it's easier for Mike because he doesn't have to worry about where's my gift card. It's tied into the Visa card in his pocket and the criminals won't use it because they can't Mm -hmm. fraud it because it's not an anonymous form of currency anymore. So it took me 1,058 days, 367 (laughs) emails, 55 phone calls, and I finally got a partnership with Visa and MasterCard to conduct this business model. You can't just wake up and start this from nothing. You have to be integrated with these large companies, Visa and MasterCard specifically at the point of sale. So we finally did that and we launched it in 2019. Wow. Yeah. And there's like, I I think I saw somebody recently talk about how their business uh, started in in partnering with Visa and there's like 10 or 12 layers of bureaucracy you have to go through before you can actually be in with Visa or any, any place like that. Wow. God bless all the lawyers that are listening because um, that's really what this is. It's a it's an organization with yeah. a lot of lawyers, and when yeah. you have a lot of lawyers, you have to 
you have to um, make them all happy. And it's sometimes not, not easy to make a lot of lawyers happy. Right. Definitely. <laughs> rarely, rarely can you make a lot of lawyers happy. Hey, Jason, before we get back into the uh, business side, um, can you talk a little bit about your personal life from maybe the point at which you got injured to, um, you know, present day? So we, we left you in West Virginia with a facial injury. Um, so what, what was going on in your personal life at that point? So, you know, I was recovering from surgery and, um, the girl that I dated at the time, um, you know, I, her and I broke up and because I couldn't really work <clears throat> because I was laid up, I had two spinal surgeries, fusion, fusion, my C5, C6. And so, mm. um, she was my source of stability and income pretty much. Wow. So she decides that it's not going to work out. So I end up living in my car. And so I'm living out of my car and now I have these major spinal surgeries. I get all this medical debt. I end up getting a thing called tinnitus. Do you know what tinnitus is? Yeah. Yeah. My ear ringing starts ears, to ring. Yeah. And so I was sitting in a bathtub. I didn't want to live. I really did not want to live. And so I was at the very bottom of my bottom. And that's when I reached out to, uh, to the Lord and I asked God for help. And that's when I turned my life over to Christ. It was in February of 1997. And I did. And very shortly after that, things started getting better. And, um, you know, I, I ended up uh, finding Orchard Hill Church mm -hmm. um, in 2000. I was oh, the last wow. guy in and the first guy out. <laughs> and I was one of the stragglers you see wander in when after the yes. service started 10 minutes ago. And then, uh, you know, it's before <laughs> they even finish it, before they're praying, I'm out, out the door. Oh, you know? uh, yes. And then I, and then you I were one snagged. of those I guys. <laughs> I got snagged by uh, Kurt. Yorkland. Um, mm -hmm. and I ended up joining a, a men's group with him. I'm in the same men's group since then. And I yeah. can remember, uh, the first thing that we talked about in that men's group, what do you want to get out of this men's group, Chris? He goes, um, this is what the men's group was like. Each, each guy had to say this. And I said, I just want to learn how to pray. <laughs> and as God would have it, not only did I learn how to pray, I went on, I think I went on, well, I went on three mission trips to Haiti, but I also, more importantly, and that's where you're knocking on doors, not only praying, you're bringing mm. people to Christ, right? And not only that, I ended up um, being selected as the alumni year of my high school, Milton Hershey School, the school mm. I told you about. So I was elected alumni of the year and they found out that I was a Christian and they have a service that they, um, that all the kids have to go to. Well, guess what they asked me to do? Can you give the service? Can you give the, the message? So I'm sitting here thinking, as I was trying to come into a men's group, last guy in, first guy out, I join a men's group. The first thing I try to figure out is how can I pray? Not only am I praying, but I'm giving the message to 3,500 people. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, this is the journey. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, nothing is smooth and we do have to have men in our lives. Proverbs mm -hmm. 27, 17, we have mm -hmm. to sharpen each other. I am not perfect. I falter constantly, but you want to continue on this journey together with other men to try to come closer to Christ. And that's what I've tried to do um, as best as I can. That's so good, Jason. Um, thank you for sharing that, man. Uh, mm -hmm. So Jason, I don't know if you can verbalize this or not maybe you i'm sure you've thought about this before but so, so you became and maybe the wrong it might be the wrong word it's the only one that comes to mind right now but but very ambitious in in 
going after your business goals, for example. And and maybe that's the wrong way of describing it. Maybe you might describe it differently. But um, what was it that uh, after you came to faith, okay, um, did your faith become a real motivating factor for for the business side after that? Um, did it take time? Um, or, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about how that how that played into how, or how that enmeshed with your, the business I side. I don't think so. I, I, I reflect back on that. And I was the type of kid that when we had wrestling practice and wrestling practice started at, let's say 4 PM and went to 6 PM school was out at three o'clock by three 30, I'm running laps around the gym to, to have a pre warm out warm up before I go to practice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple other guys on the whole team that would do that. There was like two of us, three of us, but that mentality where I was always trying to push it further than anybody else would push it. That's Mm -hmm. always been inside me. So I think Mm -hmm. that's just how God made me. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think that my faith drives me, um, because of my, you know, being saved in 1997, I had that in me before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. But I, now, but I, but I have learned, especially things like the empowerment dynamic you and I've talked about in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, I've ha- I have changed my mindset, uh, away from being sort of like the victim and having a persecutor persecuting me. And I'm looking for a rescuer to help me. Now the rescuer could be in the form of uh, attachment to somebody else. It could be drugs. It could be something else. And, you know, I'm a victim because I went to Milton Hershey school and nobody loves me. And, and this whole, mm-hmm. Um, it's called the dreaded drama triangle where you're stuck yep. underwater as you start becoming more mature. And at, for me, closer to Christ, I learned about being the creator, being a coach mm. and, a cha- and, a, and, and having challenges instead of being persecuted. I look at that as a challenge instead of looking for a rescuer. I'm looking for somebody to coach me. And mm. because God made yeah. me in his image, he created me yep. to create. I look at myself as a creator and not a victim. And so yes. I've learned about the empowerment dynamic, uh, being a creator, uh, being a coach to other people and looking at issues as challenges. And it's allowed me to become above water. When I look at the empowerment dynamic, I think about of sort of being underwater when you're in the dreaded drama triangle. And then you get yeah. above water and you could breathe and you see the sun and you fly. And so I think that piece of my faith, mm. uh, has allowed me to have more success, um, because of the viewpoint that I have, which I didn't have before. It's really a dramatic turnaround. I mean, I'm just hearing this for the first time, but I mean, 97, what year did you get injured? Was it, was it 97? Uh, 95 ish. Yeah. All right. So that time, that time frame, you go from somebody who, you know, you've been, you've been enjoying, I'm, I'm assuming enjoying a life of, you know, doing whitewater rafting, you know, lead, leading groups on whitewater rafting and being outdoors. And you had a relationship with a, with a woman and you go from that to basically, you know, the relationship ends, you're, you're, you're penniless, you're living in your car, you've got tinnitus, you're recovering from major surgeries and in a fairly short time, accept Christ teach yourself how to code, which, I mean, I'm a former coder. It's not, you know, it doesn't happen every day. I think I'll, I'll, I'll learn how to code. I mean, there's there's coding camps now where you can have a condensed, you know, three-month, six-month 
learn how to do a specific type of programming. But trust me, it's not easy just, to, oh, I'll teach myself to code. Okay, now I can code. <laughs> you know, it's not easy. Right. And and then you start businesses that are, I mean, you know, 80%, 90% of businesses fail in the first year. Yours don't, right? I mean, you, you hit on some very clever approaches to solving problems that people are having in a fairly new world, which is commercial internet. So that, to me, this is just amazing. All this stuff happens in a, in a matter of, you know, 24 months, 36 months. So can, can you just kind of go back to that time period and describe <laughs> what's going that's on great, with you? I mean, you know, yeah, I, I, I love that because, um, Whereas I look at the windshield of my car and I see a big windshield and I look at my rearview mirror and it's very small and it's small because I'm not supposed to be looking backwards. But every right. now and then you're allowing me to look backwards. So I right. appreciate the question. So now I'm allowed, allowed to reflect because I try to focus on the big windshield. Mm. Sure. But sometimes I like to look back. So looking back at that time, um, you know, it was actually longer uh, in terms of like. It was more like dog years because like I was working like 18 hour days. I mean, I'm right. sitting there literally. I got books from, I still got the book on my shelf right up there, Pearl. Uh, and then uh, learning, uh, running a perfect website. I, I kept the books that I got right. from, um, from CompUSA at the time. And I'm literally sitting there just trying to figure out how to make these websites work. In 1995, Chris, remember that? I mean, yeah. I don't know how old you are, but um, you know, it I was in the commercial I was on the main. I was working for a mainframe software company in '95, and we were just getting into the internet. The internet had just gone commercial in that, you know, the couple of yeah. years around there, and we were doing stuff like creating mainframe-based web servers to screen scrape old applications and try to present them on a on a PC. So I, I would. Yeah. I won't. I won't bore the audience with the details, but yeah, I I was <laughs> yeah, so kind of right, in the so. same realm as yeah, you same, at that time area. frame. So you know, if people are saying, "Oh, I'm on uh, the internet. I got this AOL disk," I said, "That's not the internet." Okay, so uh, <laughs> comp, uh, comp, CompuServe and you know these companies would give you right. disks and tell you, "Okay, you're on the internet." Yeah. That wasn't what it was all about. I was creating websites, a website right. that I created, mm -hmm. and so learning how to code that website to create that website. Uh, it took, it took me probably, um, I don't know, five, six months before I finally had a viable site. I launched it on November, November 1st, 1996. Mm -hmm. If you go to the Wayback machine online, you can go find the first rendition <laughs> of my website. It's called, it was wow. called coupons direct and you can go look at it and we celebrate our 26th anniversary. We actually did a month ago. It was November 1st, 1996. I launched the first coupon site and, um, yeah. And so, uh, it was, it was you know, a couple years of really learning and trying. My first employee, Chris, I paid 50 bucks a month and her name was Barb Sherman. And she would go around the internet, finding coupons, load them into sort of this tool that I built. I put a little tool there, describe what the coupon is, put the URL in there and submit it into a database, which I then indexed and displayed it on the site. So people that came to the site were able to find these coupons because it, you know, it search engines service. would take months. I mean, they had yeah, to crawl no the internet. <laughs> yeah, it would take months to get stuff to show up on search yeah. engines back then. Yes, yeah, Google wasn't around. It was no. just, there was no real search engines. Yahoo just started. So, um, so yeah, so I created that, and then so that was ninety seven. I paid her fifty bucks a month, and then nineteen ninety eight. I made like 
37,000 or no, I made 180,000 in 98 and then 99, I made a million dollars in revenue. Wow. And that's when I raised venture capital. So it was like, even though it seems like it was quick for me, it felt like forever. It felt yeah. like just forever. I mean, I was, I lost so much weight. I was like 160. I mean, I was like skinny and you know, ears ringing and I'm just like, I'm just trying to learn this stuff. And it was like, I, I think God, you know, was watching over me and guide me through it. Yeah. Because there was so ultimately a bigger uh, thing that I was supposed to do. Yeah, definitely. So then, in two, you said two thousand is when you came to faith. No, right? that was no. no, that was when I was yeah in the ninety seven. Ninety seven. It was. Yeah. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. February. Okay. Like I said earlier, it was February ninety seven, and I was wow. just like down and out, and I'm like trying to create this thing. That year, 97, I made like, I don't know, 4,000 bucks or maybe 10,000. I'm living <laughs> in the car. I'm like trying to learn this stuff. And Chris, as you said, it was difficult. Um, even though we launched the site in uh, Jan uh, November 1st, 96, it was a terrible site. So it wasn't until like 97 where I actually created software. Before I was like just putting links on the site. So <laughs> I ended up creating a tool that actually became very popular. And interestingly, the, one of the guys, my one of my first few employees, his name was Jim Peters. Uh, he and I came up with the concept using that pixel and that cookie. And it was like 1997, 98, which we then created that tracking technology, which mm -hmm. we then created the next company with. It's so wow. funny to hear yeah. you talk about these cookies that you came up with because they're 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 like uh, they're like swear words today. People are trying to avoid <laughs> cookies today, and and well, now we have a guy to every Netscape. site we go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a guy from Netscape who created. I forget his name. Uh, I knew him back in the day. I knew who he was. Uh, we followed him, and when he created that, we used it. Like we didn't create the cookie; we just used the cookie right. as a mechanism to track. It was like, wow, that's a cool idea. And so he put it out there. Netscape was a very popular browser at the time. And uh, he came up with the cookie concept and the browser had it embedded inside its browser as a technology. And we just used that technology to track people going from one website to another. Wow. Yep. That's amazing. That's wow. That is so cool. It just, the, when the internet was just uh, infantile <laughs> to hear you describe some of this the stuff and West. know where we are. Yeah. Right. The wild <laughs> West. And here we are today. That's amazing. Oh, um, yeah. This is a great transition to the empowered uh, dynamic that you were talking about, the empowerment dynamic. Um, when we met, uh, I don't know, it's been a few years now, but you'd given me the book, A Power of Ted, and I, I read it, thought it was a great book. For me personally, it helped me to kind of begin to define myself more as a creator even as well. And uh, and so the reason I bring that up, and, and I'd love for you to maybe share a little bit more about that, is that a lot of men that we that we deal with today are struggling with confidence. They're struggling um, with, uh, with I've heard it said before, the real life or, um, you know, yeah, I guess real life is just disappointing and discouraging. And so they often seek escapes, whether it be in addictions like alcohol or sex or, or uh, gaming, you know, and, and we end up disempowered, I would say. Um, and ineffectual in terms of being able to affect change and make an impact and things like that. But you are someone who has come through this and now you've affected incredible change, had amazing redemptive influence through technology. And so I guess I'd, I'd love to hear you speak to that a little bit more about, and especially to those listeners who might be struggling in these areas right here where they're they're feeling like they're spinning their wheels 
maybe they're even struggling with, you know, their marriages. They're because, yeah, a lot of men are just used to escape and living in fantasy worlds rather than engaging with the real world where you can actually produce and create. Yeah, I mean, um, the world today is different than when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think opportunities and the way that uh, men feel today is different than when I was younger. That's all the time we have for this episode. Make sure you join us again for the second half, which will be posting this Friday, where Jason will talk a little bit more about his thoughts on manhood today. And then also, how do we apply the empowerment dynamic from a gospel perspective. So until next time, keep living empowered.